Alright, and welcome to the Raw is Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, once again back here on my own to go down the 1996 uh, Monday Night War path that we've been on, and we're going to look at the July 15, 1996 episodes of Raw and Nitro. No massive introduction to get us going on these ones. Um, I watched them uh week or two back and I've been waiting to review and catch back up. I'm actually really interested on getting it under the road to SummerSlam 1996 now, so some really good stuff coming up and this is starting to head towards a real peak in wrestling that I'm going to really enjoy reviewing. So going to get back onto this timeline as much as I possible in the upcoming weeks, starting with this pair of shows. No big surprise on this pair that Nitro is still dominating the ratings here with the NWA angle in in full swing. Excuse me, with Nitro picking up a 3.4 to Raw's 2.6, and that's pretty much the tail of the tape heading in. So, without any further ado, we're going to head over and start with Monday Night Raw. Raw starts off with Ahmed Johnson and Shawn Michaels arriving to be confronted by Camp Cornette. We then get the Raw opening and the commentary team of Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler give us a rundown. And the main crux of this show is going to be the Smoking Guns getting a shot to win all the titles when they each individually challenge AJ... AJ Styles, uh, Ahmed Johnson, <laughs> definitely not AJ Styles. They kind of look alike, right? No. <laughs> and Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental and World Heavyweight title, respectively. From there, we actually kick off with Bart Gunn taking on Ahmed Johnson for the Intercontinental title, which, interestingly enough, is still on that gold strap from Goldust carrying the belt. Sonny fakes a handshake to Vince McMahon at the commentary table during the intros, and this just tickles Jerry Lawler pink, and it gets a good laugh out of me, which is probably the best part of the first few minutes of the show because we get a really slow start. Ahmed Johnson eventually does get the action going with a nice arm drag, and then they shake hands afterwards, which is weird. Bart tries one of his own but gets blocked. Um, the early story here is just AJ. I keep saying AJ because I've shortened it. Ahmed Johnson, sorry, overpowering Bart. They go for another handshake and it's a cheap shot from Bart here and he gets a clothesline before working over the arm. Ahmed Johnson runs his shoulder into the post and this gets a two for Bart. Vince McMahon really starts to slate the Ultimate Warrior on commentary a bit, which is quite amusing. We get a power slam from Ahmed and a hammerlock slam before going out to a commercial. When we come back, we get a bulldog for a two and a top rope bulldog from Bart also for a two before Ahmed crutches Bart and then shoulder blocks him over the top rope. Coming back in, he hits a nice spine buster in the Pearl River plunge for the three. It was a pretty decent opening contest, to be fair. From there, we go to a Shawn Michaels interview. Not his best work. I'll splice a bit of it in. Um, But yeah, basically just says don't bring a knife to a gunfight here. A little bit lame. 
event, man. Getting spread thin. Possibility that the World Wrestling Federation champion has to take on, and I have taken it on. Every time I walk out there, I have to worry about walking back with this gold around my waist. Tonight, I got Billy. I got to worry about a parts in the building. I got to worry about Sonny. Everybody knows that Camp Cornette is around here somewhere. One way or another, the Heartbreak Kid is walking back with his gold around his waist. And then, this Sunday, international incident in your house, Vancouver, B.C. Myself and Ahmed Johnson, I know everybody thinks, we're the psychos. Couldn't we trust? Can we trust Psycho Sid? I believe we can. There's a relationship between the Heartbreak Kid and Psycho Sid that a lot of people do not know about that I can't get into right now. We'll go into it at a later time. I think Sid is going to be there by our side. Ahmed Johnson, the Heartbreak Kid, and Psycho Sid are going to take care of Camp Cornette once and for all. We're talking about a gang warfare. It's going to happen. I'm not thrilled about it, but one way or another, it's going to happen. Camp Cornette, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. From there, we um, get a little reminder that we're still in the new generation because it's Mark Miro taking on T.L. Hopper. Jesus, how how is T.L. Hopper a thing in 1996? It is just atrocious. During the introductions, Goldust, uh, his usher, comes out and gives Sable a box, which he just drops in the aisle, and then we go to a commercial. JR then shills the superstar line. We get an ad for Got Milk, and AOL brings his Monday Night Raw to really date this. And then I've just got here, how on earth am I going to compare a um, the Hulk Hogan heel turn angle to um, TL Hopper fixing toilets? It's just, it's madness. Like, what were they thinking with this kind of counter-programming? During the match, we get an arm drags and drop kick from Miro. We get a dual screen so we can see Camp Cornette. Um, it's basic wrestling to a dead crowd, so I don't mind it in this instance. We get a side slam from TL Hopper for a two as we go to a commercial. We come back and we get a leg drop for a two. And we get Austin interviewing, being interviewed over the phone, um, sorry, on the on the screen, hyping his pay-per-view match with Mark Miro. We get a little bit of the early Stone Cold attitude, so I will splice some of this promo in also. Thoughts, please. I don't know why it's going to because Mark Merrow is going to pay for what he did to Stone Cold's face. Uh, one, I don't come it. out here and try to be some kind of pretty boy or some kind of heartthrob. Yeah, neither does Stone he. Cold, shut up. Stone Cold Steve Austin is the best wrestler in the World Wrestling Federation. If I can't get it done by wrestling, I'm the best cheap shot artist there is. Merrow is going to pay, and he's going to pay big time, and that's the bottom line. But yeah, they're pulling out all the, all the stops here, all the bells and whistles, all the distractions, um, because this match is too long. I don't know why it went so long. We get a head scissor from Miro, a backdrop, a knee lift, and then a big left hook for the three count, which is just, this was terrible. It rated on the hammerlock scale a solid six out of ten. I rated this high because they obviously knew it was crap, which was why they kept putting all this other stuff on. Why not just not put it on the show? Anywho, from there we go to a Camp Cornette promo, his usual good self, um, mostly Jim Cornette doing the talking. We get a promo video for The Undertaker, which was a fun watch, and then clips of Mankind and Goldust, who he's been feuding with, spliced into the video. This was actually pretty decent. Um, some really early slick production stuff for some of these video packages, which they'll really start to run away with in 97, 98. We then go to our other title match, Billy Gunn versus Shawn Michaels. Before the match starts, we get a commercial, and then we get an in-house ad for the Attitude Adjustment Tour live event. Um, we get to see Shawn Michaels and John McEnroe at a charity event, which is quite funny. And then 
Vince McMahon tells us that Bret Hart's 13-year-old nephew died, which is quite tragic and horrible. No kid should be lost that young, but it's just a a blur of like different things going on here all at once before the match starts. When the match does get underway, we get chain wrestling and then Bart Gunn, sorry, Billy Gunn overpowering Sean early. Um, <laughs> Every now and again, when I take my notes for this show and I don't record the show right away, I read my notes during <laughs> the reading of this. I just think, what was I thinking? <laughs> so, Shawn Michaels is managed by Jose Lothario. Obviously, Billy Gunn's being managed by Sonny. <laughs> and I just put on my notes this. I must have not been really enjoying this show. But um, <laughs> Billy Gunn's manager has starred in a porno. I wonder if Shawn's manager could ever considered it. <laughs> and honestly, sometimes I just think, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Moving right along, um, Sonny gets on the apron uh, to just try and distract. Shawn Michaels um, gets hit, uh, sorry, hits a baseball slide, but back in the ring, Billy hits a famouser. Rocket dropper back then, of course, um, for a two. Shawn hits a slingshot clothesline. Billy Gunn clotheslines Shawn out, and we go to another commercial. When we come back, Billy's in control, and we see Camp Cornet leaving the arena. I wonder if that's going to be a ruse. We get another commercial, and when we come back, we get a Shawn Michaels forearm, hip toss, slam, and the top rope elbow before tuning up the band and hitting Sweet Chin Music for the one, two, three. Um, this one was a little better than the other matches on the show, a lot better than Miro and TL Hopper, but a little bit better than Ahmed and Bart, but not significantly so. Um, after the match, Shawn hugs Ahmed backstage and then Jim Cornette sneaks into the picture and throws a drink into Shawn Michaels face and runs away this allows an ambush from Camp Cornette but Sid shows up in a car um and the heels just bolt I would too if Sid came driving in after me so um probably saw the the um the trap coming but it was still a good ending with Sid driving into the scene and chasing them off um Overall, a decent episode of Raw. The middle really dragged because of that bullshit Mark Miro TL Hopper uh, match, which just had no place being on Superstars, let alone Raw. But other than that, some decent wrestling and, and the main event storyline, which is really all they're focusing on, got pushed. Video packages for some other stuff like The Undertaker, but really it's all about Ahmed and Sean right now and their battle with Camp Cornette and what X Factor Sid's going to play. But yeah, overall, could do worse than watching this episode of Raw. memorabilia lane i'm actually going to talk to you about something i don't know a whole lot about but i have in my hot hands right now it's the world wrestling federation wrestlemania live photo card album with the tagline it's the next best thing to being there this seemed to have been released around the time of wrestlemania 15 because that's the logo on the front and it's effectively a photo album um, hardcover with a bunch of wrestlemania photo pics like some of them have got more than one picture from the Wrestlemania, um, others have just got one picture, and it has on it, let's do a quick count, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 photos to collect, I actually 
didn't open this. I um, stole it. So, oh, tell a lie. There's 54 because there's also more to collect from the back of the book by the looks of it. Um, I was just opening the front page. Yeah, so this was in my brother's garage when I was around looking for something recently. I saw it, and he's not watched wrestling a year, so I went, you know what, I'm having that, and just took it. I told him about it a few weeks later. He's like, I didn't even know I had that. So there you go. But um, <laughs> I don't know how he acquired it, where he got it from, but I'm trying to decide if I want to try and collect the rest of the photos. I probably should have a quick look on eBay and see if it's actually going to set me back anything, but by the looks of it here, he's probably got about half of them, I would say. Um it's basically photos, 25 photos of WrestleManias 1 to 14, and then photos 26 to 54, uh, a bunch of current guys with 53 being a picture of WrestleMania 3 that's just entitled Attendance, and 54 being the checklist. Um, would be handy if he had 54, because <laughs> then I might actually be able to figure out what the rest of them are, but... Although I don't suppose you need the checklist when there's a picture of each of them printed on the inside of the cover either, I guess, so... Yeah, I think I'm going to have a crack at collecting the rest of these and complete it just for something goofy to do. But to give you a sample of some of the ones he's got, the first photo from WrestleMania 1 is the classic picture of Mr. T um, with Roddy Piper in the airplane spin. WrestleMania 2 has got George Steele hitting on Elizabeth. As you see, Savage climbing the turnbuckle probably to deliver an axe handle. Um, flicking through a few of the others, um, there's the classic stare down from WrestleMania 3, Hogan and Andre. WrestleMania 6 weirdly has Bossman and Akeem and Dusty and Savage rather than Warrior and Hogan, which I find quite fascinating. In fact, glancing across this, I don't think there's a picture of the Ultimate Warrior in here at all, which is also quite strange. You've got Taker standing over Jake at 8. Yoko dropping the leg on Brett at 9. Um, there's a few of the Undertaker, one of him grabbing Kama at 11, chokeslamming Kane at 14, um, Brett Nowen at 10. It looks like certain guys, Brett being one to name, is only ever on defense in any of the photos, and as I said, Warrior's not anywhere to be found, so I'm guessing they were the guys on the main outs around this time. And then you've got a collection of current, I say current, WrestleMania 15 time guys to collect, so The Brood, Jeff Jarrett, Ken Shamrock, Kane... Um, this is Think DX versus Corporation time with the Brood and things like that. Um, a whole bunch of them to collect. So probably going to go and collect these. But if you've seen this, heard of it, know anything about it, give me a yell because it's just something interesting I came about and thought I would share that on Memorabilia Lane. From there, we head on over to Nitro to have a look at their show. Tony Schiavone and Larry Sabisco open the commentary, and they tell us the NWO are here, and they show the Bash at the Beach turn, speculating on who's going to join next. So I'm guessing within a couple of weeks of this turn, they were already trying to think, how many members can we get in and start to shoehorn people in? And I wonder if the beginning of the end came pretty quickly. 
we open up our wrestling action with the Steiners taking on fire and ice. And yeah, fuck yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Um, Scott Norton kicks the shit out of Scott Steiner early and then Steiner fires back with an overhead belly-to-belly on Scott Norton, who is not a small man. That is cool. We get a commercial and then Teddy Long comes out for a look. We get a power slam from Ice Train and Rick Steiner with an overhead belly-to-belly lands Ice Train pretty much on his head. That looked fucking sore. Gets a one count though, by the way. Scott Norton hits a second rope clothesline. Rick Steiner with a power slam from a leapfrog into a two count. Scott Norton holds Rick Steiner, but moves, um, but he moves and Ice Train splashes Scott Norton. Rick Steiner then hits a German on the Ice Train for the one, two, three. A um, little bit shorter than I would have liked. I'd like to see these guys go 10 minutes pounding on each other, but very cool. Jeans then with the um, Dungeon of Doom, a very average promo. But Fire and Ice walk past arguing, and it kind of gets some story going here. We're sort of outside in the Disney Studios, by the way, at this time. So things look pretty cool for Nitro, very different to what's going on at Raw. We've got a Glacier commercial, then go to an actual commercial. And when we come back, Jeans with Fire and Ice, I'll splice some of their argument in here. CW Monday from Orleans to be a little conflict here between Fire and Ice Scott Norton. When I put this tag team together, we're going to get titles and championship shots. But now we got the greatest tag teams in the world beat, and you do something to screw it up. Wait a minute, number one, you. I do things within the rules, okay? There's a way we can do things, okay? Hey, there can be some hey, good Teddy Long, hey, I'm, I'm not out here to get in your business, and I'm not out here to get in your business. But I've got one thing to say. I think you two make a great tag team, and I just don't want to see you two break up. That's all. Hey, hey, hey wait a minute, hey, Terry. I'll tell you that. something. And started with us, and it's going to end with us. You keep him out of my business. And it's going to end sooner than you think, Scott Norton. We well, will do it. I can't believe yeah, this, ladies and gentlemen. Just a you second. One of the premier tag it, teams. Fire and Ice, there seems to be a little... It, well, there's a difference of opinion. It, Let's get you back to the ring. Is he okay? As you would have heard there, Teddy Long obviously tried to interfere and it didn't go so well for him. And we are speculating on whether these two are going to start their own feud. And if so, I look forward to them kicking the crap out of each other some more. We then go to Billy Kidman taking on Dean Malenko. Um, Jimmy Hart tries to talk to Dean Malenko as he enters, but he doesn't want to talk to him. Apparently, Dean Malenko will face Chris Benoit at the pay-per-view. And obviously, Benoit being in the Horseman is an enemy of the Dungeon of Doom. So it's a little bit convoluted. I'm not really sure what's going on here. We got a leg lariat from Malenko, Billy Kidman with a missile drop kick for a two and a German for a two before Malenko works over the leg. He hits a back suplex before Kidman hits a springboard bulldog for a two. He misses the shooting star press, however, and this allows Malenko to lock on a brain buster, a power bomb, and a Pearl River plunge before going into the Texas Cloverleaf. In a great fuck you, I'm hitting all my finishes ending to the match. This is very SmackDown versus Raw. Special meter on full, and Malenko went to school. But yeah, good cruiserweight action. Can't knock this at all. Gene's then with Kevin Green. He's not happy with Hulk, and he wants Mongo. It's actually not a bad promo for Kevin Green. Obviously, Mongo doesn't come out, but Kevin Green's trying to get the match before he has to go away uh, for football camp, basically. We then go to Rough and Ready versus Harlem Heat, the tag team champions. Colonel Parker and Sherry come out with Rough and Ready. Um, it's a bit weird here. It's a bit convoluted. I'll try and explain as we go. Sherry's aged a fair bit here in a few years and isn't looking quite herself. Um, it's a real shame because she's a hell of a performer and I would have really loved to see a career extend even further. 
Dirty Dick and a Beverly Brother, though. Rough and ready. <laughs> Doesn't do it for me. Um, just a bit shit. Stevie Ray's very dominant early. Bear hug, clothesline. Um, Booker T comes in and hits an axe kick. Sherry and the Colonel argue on the outside as we brawl on the outside. Booker T hits a side slam for a two. Stevie Ray hits a slam. We had a Dick Slater pile driver. As Sherry starts cheering for Harlem Heat, despite the fact that they walked out with Rough and Ready, we get a... She's then back with the Colonel. It's it's very weird. It's, again, convoluted and hard to keep up with. Sherry kisses Dick Slater, and this allows Booker T to roll him up for a three. And then Sherry and the Colonel leave with Harlem Heat. So really no clue what that was all about. I'm guessing maybe they were affiliated with both teams and they went, fuck it, let's go with the champions, especially because one of the other two is a Beverly brother. We then get a video package on Rey Mysterio, and Kevin Green interviews again, saying he's leaving for the NFL. He'll be back in February to take care of Mongo, so Mongo successfully ducked him there. We then go to Medusa versus Malia Hosaka, and I apologize if I butchered that name. Hosaka hits a spin kick and chokes and hair snaps. She's quite vicious, which is good. Medusa hits the X-Park corner kicks. And then we get a Hosaka crab and a neck breaker. We get a one-minute countdown to the second part of the show. It's a bit weird doing this mid-match. And, of course, we know um, they're not going to wrestle through this with any good high spots. So Medusa locks in a German for the one, two, three before it finishes. We t- find out she'll face Bull Nakano at the pay-per-view, Hog Wild, which should be good. We then get Pyro for hour two before Bobby Heenan and Eric Bischoff tag in as usual and go out to a commercial break. We're getting these little 5 to 10 second promos at each commercial as well. So, so far we've seen Arn, Meng, um, Dean Malenko, etc. We come back and we have got Kevin Nash and Scott Hall putting some sheets over the NWO, uh, over the WCW logo with NWO written or painted on them. Um, and there's lots of talk about new members. This probably fell a bit flat as far as some of the NWO angles go. I certainly notice, and you know, as a long-time WWF fan, and those of you that didn't watch WCW back in this era probably haven't seen this one in any of the recaps of the NWO mayhem. Hey, they drew on a sheet and hung it over our logo. Those bastards. It's um not quite up there with Lawn Darting Rey Mysterio into the side of a truck. Oh, and I would be remiss to say I completely skipped over um, a little comment in the previous match when Colonel Robert Park and Sherry were arguing. Our dick move of the week happened when Larry Zabisco on commentary uttered these words. When you get the one that shuts her mouth, take her home. <laughs> Larry, your wife would not be watching Nitro, I hope. But yeah, that was our dick move of the week. From there, we go to Arn Anderson versus Meng, who comes out with Jimmy Hart. Meng's on top early with strikes before the Barbarian comes out as we go to a commercial. We then see the outsiders drinking cocktails on the roof. Hopefully, one of them got a nice mojito. Arn goes for a low punt, but it's blocked, and he hits a throat thrust from Meng for a two. They brawl along the outside, and Jimmy Hart gets some cheap shots in before Meng hits a suplex and a back suplex. Arn's got very few spots here, just hope spots, basically playing the babyface in peril. Barb- uh, we then get a head kick from the apron for Barbarian, and that's the one, two, three for Meng. Not a good match, way too long, and it was just a beatdown, a really weird usage of Arn Anderson here. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Gene is with Mongo and Deborah McMichael. Deborah goes on a long rant here, which I'll splice in for you. WCW Monday Nitro, joined right now by the newest member of the Four Horsemen, 
And uh, it's obviously, right, obviously not a horse here. Well, he wanted to do a little sightseeing. He wanted to chase that big rat around the park, and we got that done, plus counting a little bit of more of his money. Now, what's all this fuss about out here? I noticed that you showed up, and so did Deborah. Please, yes, you showed up. Now, all of a sudden, that Kevin Green is on his way to the airport. But he's not still here. No, he's not. Uh, yeah, Wait well, a minute, he might he should be. be. Is Kevin Green still there? But, but bring him on. Nope, apparently he's left. Well, that just shows you where he's coming from. Them bunch of expansion pukes he's playing for now, baby. Hey, forget about that small change contract you got, son. If you want to fight, I'm a professional now. You don't stand out in the back alley and fight. Get your name on the dotted line, and you got Mongo, and he's got you. Do you agree with that, Deborah? Well, I have a question for Kevin Green. First of all, what is the Carolina Panthers? Is that a farm team for B players? I mean, I know it's not the Chicago Bears. I mean, uh, well, and then I have another thing I wanted to ask Kevin. You know, my husband lasted 15 years in the NFL. 15. And do you know why he lasted 15 years? Why is that? Because he did not let little punks like Kevin Green push him around. That's why. And another thing is records. My husband here holds the most, the record for the most consecutive starts in the NFL, the most games played in the NFL, the most sacks by defensive tackle, and the Pro Bowl. I don't know how many times he was in the Pro Bowl. I've lost count. So, Kevin, what, what's your records? I really don't hear a lot about that. Yeah, don't really hear Deborah get that many lines, but um, great heel heat coming out after Kevin Green had left as well. Not bad booking there. We then go to Chris Benoit taking on Eddie Guerrero. Holy shit, I cannot believe we're getting this match just randomly. It's great. Um, also, by the way, where were Mongo and Benoit while Arn was getting beat down and screwed in the previous match? That, when I praised them for the booking of um, Deborah and Mongo coming out after... Kevin Green had left. I have to also take shots at them for coming out before, uh, after, sorry, um, Arn had been screwed and they didn't help him. Benoit's dominant early before Guerrero comes back with a head scissor. We get a top rope crossbody to the floor and a slingshot sent on. A tilt well backbreaker. Benoit hits a high back suplex and a press slam. Uh, there's a bit much NWO talk for my liking during some of these matches, especially the good ones. We get a camel clutch before Eddie comes back with a back suplex. Benoit with a nice snap suplex for a two. Powerbomb with authority for a two. A backbreaker, a slam, and then an Eddie Guerrero superplex before they go into a chop fest. They brawl on the outside. Um, the referee's with Eddie, and Dean Malenko comes out and throws Benoit to the post. Eddie Guerrero gets in at the count of nine, and Benoit is counted out. Not a bad match, but would have liked to have seen a better finish. But I guess the less they pay this off with one being dominant, the more we might get to see it. So I'm going to hope for that. We get a commercial and then Big Bubba Rogers um, basically um, cuts... Uh, he cuts the promo on the way out of the commercial. Sorry, completely lost my train of thought there. Benoit tells us for about... Benoit Bischoff tells us for about the hundredth time that he wishes Sting, Giant, Ric Flair were here because, you know, the NWO have hung those sheets up, the bastards. Like, you know, why not peg some sheets out, come to my house and I'll put a washload on for you, fellas. We then go to our main event, which is Big Bubba versus Lex Luger for Lex's TV title. We get commercials after the entrances, which always annoys me. It happened on Raw as well earlier. A Big Bubba slam and a Lex backdrop, clothesline for a two. Bubba takes over as we see Hall and Nash get out of a limo. Bubba with a clothesline, and then we get an Enziguri for a two as we go to another commercial. 
When we come back, Lex hits a flying forearm and a double clothesline on each other. The outsiders come in and beat down Lex, which brings out Hulk. Um, they powerbomb Lex, and then Hulk shakes Bubba's hand, but then the outsiders beat him down anyway. Bobby Heenan says they're going for Oakland. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing that, which cracked me up. Gene, of course, is just coming in to do the interview. Hulk cuts a promo, mentions the Macho Man divorce, which is a bit rough. I'll splice that in here. This here. Look at the disgust in Gene Okerlund's face. Oh, man, I don't even want to take it, Gene Gentlemen, I thank you, Eric and Bobby, Hulk Hogan, Outsiders. You have led us down the Primrose path. Well, you know something, Gino? I wish I would have done this two years ago, brother, because the new world order is taking over professional wrestling. Hulk Hogan is bigger than the sport of professional wrestling. And with the outsiders, the new blood, the foundation of the new world order, we shall rule the wrestling world, me, Gene. What about the children? You know about the thousands and thousands of telephone calls that came in to WCW. Every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is totally disgusted with you, Hulk Hogan, including myself. We all know about the training, the prayers, and the vitamins, brother. And like I said, these people out here, after I led their children down the right path, had the gall to boo Hulk Hogan one more time. You fans can stick it, brother. Wait a minute. I think Sting and Eric Bischoff brought it up earlier on. I think Sting said it best when he retorted that Hulk Hogan, you can stick it. Well, you know something, brother? As far as people like Sting go, 10 years ago, when I shook his hand in Venice Beach, he was a skinny little bodybuilder. And when he laid his eyes on Hulk Hogan, he was shaking in his boots. I heard all the crying from the so-called macho man. For three years, he blamed his divorce. The fact that he couldn't rise to the occasion on Hulk Hogan, brother, and over and over and over and over again this past week, I've heard the whole WCW blame Hulk Hogan for their problems. The only problem is I'm the greatest wrestler in the world. I made professional wrestling. I will always be bigger than wrestling. And with these two friends of mine, the new world order shall rule the wrestling world. From there, the ring fills up with crap. Um, Hogan tells us he wants a giant for the belt at the pay-per-view, and the outsiders don't say anything at all. Steiners and the Dungeon of Doom and a bunch of others come and surround the ring, and we exit the show from there. Pretty decent ending, but I have a feeling not much happened. Um, But we'll find out next show, I guess. All right, and now we go to pick ourselves a winner. So I'm actually going to start this week with Matt start this week with match quality and give it to WCW hands down. Their matches were far better than Raw's. Um, Raw wasn't terrible, but WCW had some real heavy hitters on this show, and it's obvious to see they're stacking the roster um, to support the main event with some really good quality on the undercard. As far as characters go, I'm going to go with uh, WCW again. Hogan and the NWO were here on Raw. We didn't see 
Brett. We didn't see Undertaker, etc. Storyline, I'm going to give it a tie because the main event storylines did advance. The WCW show tried to advance some more, but there was a couple of missteps and some stuff I wasn't interested in. So I'm going to go with a tie on that one. As far as crowd heat, I'd probably also go with WCW on that. Um, Not that it was a big crowd and it's outdoor and not that special, but just the filling the ring with garbage at the end while the NWO were in there was probably hotter than anything that happened on either show. And then production value, I'll probably just edge it to Raw this time. I normally do, but it's getting closer, and I will say that, which is not something you'll hear very often. But overall, a pretty comprehensive win for WCW. Raw didn't really do anything special, and WCW's got the hottest angle pretty much in wrestling history at this point going on, so it's hard to see Raw beating them too many weeks over this stretch, but that's what we're here for. We have picked some strange winners in our time on this show and may do so in the future. That'll do it for me today, just a a quick episode to get Raw and Nitro moving along, hoping to get into some more of these 96 pay-per-views and see some great wrestling. If anybody's interested in chatting more, please get in touch on Twitter. Please leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, if you do, let me know because the overseas reviews don't come in uh, to me automatically, so I won't see it by chance. Also, if anybody's interested in adding comments or helping support the show in any way, as in, you know, come and be a guest for a segment or send something in, please let me know as well. Always looking to get more voices on the show. Other than that, that'll do it for me today. Everybody have a great day, and I will be back in with some of my partners in crime again very soon. Take care. The The game is over. No more pretending.